Hey, good evening, everybody. Merry Christmas for the eighth time. Won't be the last time. My name is Matt Moberg. Welcome to the church. Good to have you. It's Christmas Eve, you guys. Are we happy? Yeah, we're happy. Of course we are. Um, you know, this is the part of our service where we try to provide a moment, a space where we can look at the sacred text of Scripture and try to figure out, is there any nutritional value inside of this Christmas story that can speak into our stories so we can walk out a little bit more wide, a little bit more empowered, a little bit more encouraged and equipped to face whatever is coming tomorrow. And so that's what we do in this time. But before I offer up what I came to bring to you, I want to say what we say at the beginning of every uh, message. Who you are is more important than what you do. If you don't hear anything else from me tonight that is of value, and there is a, a small chance, but it's there, that that might happen, hear this, please. Who you are is more important than what you do, even if what you do gets more attention than who you are. Everybody outside of this room is going to tell you the opposite is true. But I am here in this room, in this climactic moment for the church, to remind you, that you as a person far outweighs your value of, as you as a performer, a producer, or anything of that kind. You are significant. You are of substance. You are enough as is. Now let's read the Christmas story. Matthew 1, 18 through 24 reads like this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant to the Holy Spirit. You all know what found means, right? There was no, like, Maury Popovich, like, show DNA results rolling out. Somebody looked at Mary, and it's like, there is, you're, you're pregnant. She didn't have to say a word. The evidence was on her body. She was found to be pregnant before her or Joseph came together. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, he was a Sadiq, he was a righteous man in the Hebraic tradition, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Cause no harm. Let it go in private. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because... What is in her is from God. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. That is the Christmas story that we gather around that is the center point of our service that we talk about every year. This is good news. Merry Christmas. I tried to be good news to my family recently. It wasn't that long ago and it wasn't like I, I broke a ton of sweat trying to do so, but... I don't know if it's because I had too much eggnog in the morning instead of coffee or if I was listening to too much Bing Crosby in the afternoon, but I had it within me in the midst of the chaos of life and everything that was going on. I said, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring my kids to the Canadian Christmas train that was coming through town. I went to Twin Cities Family Calendar. Anybody else dial up that website? Pure gold. You ought to look into it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we went to it and I said, guys, hey, 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 I know the, the temperatures are not ideal. I know that it's not like, um, uh, this isn't really, it was raining out. It was, <laughs> it was raining out. Okay, you made your point. 
But I said, hey, kids, get your scarves on, get your jackets on, mittens, hats, let's get in the car. We'll turn up some Christmas tunes. Everything's going to be great. We're going to go to the Canadian Christmas show. And so we, we did so. We got in the car. I'm, not a lot of people were psyched in the car with me on our way to the, the thing. But I held on to the vision that I had in my mind. And so we kept going. We got to the place inside of St. Louis Park. And truth be told, we could not park within a 10-mile radius. And yet I was, like, so determined to keep on going that we, we did. We kept on going. We got out of the car. We kind of did this crawl through. I don't know if you all have seen, like, Alive, um, when people are, like, barely making it through the snow. That's from the 80s. I'm dating myself. But it was, um, it was a horrible condition. Every other sane person that isn't a good, good father like me, they would have turned around and got back into the car. Like this was, it wasn't fun. And I can acknowledge that now, but I would not acknowledge that in the moment. And so we kept on going. We went to the spot in St. Louis Park where the trains were about to pull through. The trains that were all lit up with Santa's galore. It was going to be exciting. We'd remember this. The kids would talk about this later in life, perhaps in my funeral, giving the eulogy. It would come. I don't know exactly how it all plays out, but I had high hopes for what this moment would be. We weren't there for five minutes. Didn't park within a 10-mile radius, and within five minutes, Sawyer had pretty much fallen over because of frostbite. He's buried in the snow at this point. Wyatt's like writing his will, saying, all of my possessions, my baseball cards, I want them to go to Kruger's. I want them to go to my friends. It's done for me. Right here. Graham's looking at me like, Who, what is wrong with you? And Lauren's looking at me going like, what is wrong with me? Why would I marry a man like you? <laughs> like, my stock was high at one point, and eventually I had to come to the conclusion that like, Maybe I was off. Maybe my calculations were slightly off. Maybe I didn't fully think this through. You know like that Christmas song where that person gave them their heart and the very next day they gave it away? They didn't really think through that scenario. Like you gave your whole heart and they gave it. Maybe that was what I was doing right here. So I had to come back and I said to the kids when we were on our way back home, they were shivering, Sawyer was barely breathing, and I said, kids, this isn't what I pictured it to be. I had like lofty hopes, catalytic ideas around what I thought might happen if we got to the Canadian train, we show up at St. Louis Park. I had like, we're going to mark this moment in the holiday season where we pause and we celebrate the Canadian train system, or at least Christmas. But ultimately, it isn't what I pictured it to be. So obviously... The story I'm providing you right there, the sermonic like move I'm trying to bridge right now is I want to ask you, we're here at the end of 2022. When you thought about your life and where you intended for you to go at the beginning of 2022, are you where you pictured you'd be? I'm going to take that as a no, <laughs> like, or at least like a, I'm far from it. This isn't how I pictured it to be. Some of the things you were under in 2021 that you thought you'd be over in 2022, are you actually there or is it not quite what you pictured it to be? When you think about your life, and I'm not just talking about like interpersonally or individually, I'm talking about like socially, spiritually, politically, relationally, and everything that we're not naming in between. Are you where you pictured it would be? Is your experience reflective of your expectations or is there a massive gap in between? I think about this question. I thought I was fixated upon it last year. Matter of fact, I called Stephen Debbie Manning the other night and I said, guys, like when I read the Christmas story, there's always something new that pops out. Turns out this year it's the exact same thing that stuck with me last year. And it's the story of Joseph. 
it's Joseph having this realization where at some point in his life, he looked around and he had to realize this is not at all where I thought I would be. The way I thought my life was going. You know, we all have a picture for our life. We all have like these expectations that we set over ourselves and we're all very, dare I say, cocky or certain about the way the script will play out. We'll go here, we'll marry them, we'll work there, we'll go to school, we'll get this degree, we'll get that accolade, the affirmation, then this day and this day and this day and this day. But then comes that one day that changes all of your days, the call that you didn't expect, the person who walked out that you thought would stay with you forever, the word that you never thought you would ever hear in your midst finally came ringing in your ears. And that one day changed all of your days. And the script you were sticking to is torn into pieces and you're left looking around going like, this is not what I pictured it to be. I don't know if you guys caught it in that message when we started reading the scripture from Matthew tonight, but it's there, isn't it? Joseph as one of the main protagonists in the story, the father of the son of God, he is looking at his life. It's not said explicitly in the text, but you know that it is true. And he's going, this is not the way I saw this whole thing shaken out. Joseph is somebody who had a plan for his life. Joseph is somebody who had a vision for his life. He saw the way that his days would unfold. You think I'm making it up, that's not in the scripture, but let me remind you that he was a carpenter. Carpenters are good with numbers. Carpenters are good with math. Carpenters are people who have expectations. If I do this and this goes there, then I'll do that and this will happen next. And blah, blah, blah. Carpenters have a plan that's in place. And so what happens to the carpenter who loses his plan that was in place? That's what's going on with Joseph right now. You have Joseph who's looking around his life. And he's realizing that what he pictured it to be, the plan that he had in place, the purpose that he was certain would actually play out. It's not happening. It all looked like it would happen. Be it through like an arranged marriage or otherwise, there was a girl that he was, he was engaged to, which at that time in that culture is like a legal binding document. They were more or less essentially married. They just weren't doing all the things that married folk do. But this was set in stone. Everything was already in motion. But then came that one day. When Mary showed up to plan the wedding and she met with the caterers and they were lining up the right DJ and Joseph looked down and there was a curve in her dress and then he looked up and there were tears in her eyes and he said, what is going on? And Mary looked back at him and she said, look, I understand what it looks like, but it's not what it seems. That one small bump that was in Mary's belly completely dismantled all of Joseph's story. Everything that he thought he'd be getting after, all the places and the plans that were in place, they were gone. Can you imagine, because I know that we're very familiar with this story and we can easily like miss the humanity inside of it. Can you imagine how devastating that would be? Can you imagine how jarring, upending, overwhelming that would be? You see, when I think about the Christmas story and I think about the Christmas scripture, while all the weary world may indeed have rejoiced, Joseph certainly sat that song out. Everybody else might be decking the halls of boughs of holiday. They might be offering their joy to the world, but I don't believe Joseph was doing the same. Let the choirs 
in all the churches saying, Mary, did you know? But Joseph in the privacy of his own home is screaming, Mary, what have you done? This is not what we talked for. This is not what we planned for. This is not what we were hoping for. This is not what it was supposed to look like. This is not what I pictured it, w- it to be. I said it last year. Let me say it once more. The thing that continues to jump out at me when I read the Christmas text is the very fact that the greatest hope that humanity was ever given was also the greatest disappointment that Joseph would ever know. And so Joseph, in response to the pain that he had incurred, he's uh, deciding to divorce her in quiet, which is what we do. You step out, you get stepped on, you're not going to step out again. You have big hopes, you caught some hurt, you're probably going to make your hopes a little bit smaller. You know, Debbie and I, we spend a lot of our times, I know we hold the office of pastors, but a lot of the time we live our lives as almost like divorced lawyers of sorts because we meet with people who are consistently insisting upon divorcing their dreams in quiet. Letting the thing they had planned on going for, the pursuit that they were in pursuit of, it's not worth it. The edges are a little bit too sharp. It's not what I pictured it for it to be. The pain is overwhelming. Let me just abort this dream in quiet before I live it in the light and I get exposed as a fraud. And I experience more hurt and I have to hold more heavy. I don't want to do that. My story was rooted in substance before, but then I caught some hurt, so let me play the safe game instead. That's what we do. Joseph, though, while he had his intentions that were not unlike our intentions in our responses to our pains, he has this moment where he goes home and he thinks about this moment. And he falls asleep. And an angel speaks to him and says the very thing that the angels speak to us all the time. I know it's hard outside. I know that come the morning when you look out at your day and you look at all the places you're going to go and the people you're going to see and all the obstacles in your place and the pain, that I know what it is. I know what it is. But what's in her is from God. I know the obstacle is big. I know the burden that you bear is heavy. I know that you're in a dead-end position. You can't see the life ahead of you. But what's in it is from God. I know it feels like, what's the point anymore? I know it feels like I had tried to do some things, stepped out, got stepped on. I had hoped for big things, got hurt along the way. I understand why you would fold up, close up shop, and throw in the towel. But what's in it is from God. It's not what you had in mind. But it is what God has in store. We say it all the time inside of this room when we gather as a church, but God does not intend to ever inflict crosses upon the earth. But if there is pain embedded in the reality of being human, God is always going to insist upon turning that cross into an empty tomb so resurrection can happen in its place. Joseph, it's a dead-end road. You're in a hard place. I'm asking you to be faithful to a person, to walk down the road to Bethlehem with somebody who has hurt you deeply. You don't want to do it. I wouldn't want to do it. But what's in her is from God. And one of the reasons why Scripture is so clear that Joseph is a good man, 
outside of all the Hebraic tradition that holds him up as a Sadiq and these other things. He says yes to what God has in store, even if it conflicts with what he had in mind. He's able to walk that hard road. The dream for his life had come to an end, but his life as a dreamer did not. He kept on walking. You know, when I think about it too, we think about, you know, these stories and it's such a quick like switch being flipped. We go from one scene to the next. Joseph had the dream and he's good. It's black and white. It's all easy, cute and cuddly, whatever. I don't care. The reality is that like Joseph didn't know if it actually was from God and, and Joseph probably would never know. Do you know that? He would probably never know. He would always be wondering in the back of his mind, like, was this actually from God? When he's raising little Jesus up from a boy to a man, he's looking at everybody that he crosses on the street. He's going at Benny from Bethlehem going, like, why does your nose look so much like my son's? He's looking at Jeremy at at Jesus' lacrosse game, like, why are you always showing up here? Do you know my wife? He would never actually know, but he continues to keep on walking. It would always be ambiguous. It would always be daunting. But faith is not based upon the outcome events. Faith faith is based upon the outlook. It's saying, I do not have the evidence to back up what I'm claiming, but I'm continuing to walk because I insist that God is good. And I want to find out for myself that God is with me. It is amazing to me, and let me close in this direction, that when Joseph... You know, he's, he's not given a lot of speaking, he's not given any speaking parts in the scripture. <laughs> There's a donkey and demons that get speaking parts in the scripture, but Joseph does not. But he's not a prop. He is tasking the dream with naming the child, and that child he is supposed to name Emmanuel. God who is with us. How beautiful. In that isolated moment for Joseph. When he trusts that God is still good, even if the plan is all gone. That the person who actually experiences intimately, individually, not from a church tradition, but from real life flesh and blood encounter, that God goes with me. That I do not go at anything alone. That every obstacle I face is not just an obstacle that I face. That he is the one who is able to derive from his own flesh and blood his own real life experience that this is who God is. The God who doesn't fix us, but the God who goes with us. Emmanuel. That's why we gather around Christmas. Christmas is not the celebration of the darkness being eliminated. Christmas is the celebration of the light arriving. It's still dark outside. Tomorrow Sunday, it'll be still dark outside. When Monday comes, it'll still be dark outside. The adversity you faced this past week, it will still be there next week. The challenges, they don't just go away because God is with you. Christmas is a celebration, not that darkness has been eradicated, but that the light has arrived. Close with this. I had an AA meeting uh, a couple of years back. And in one of our conversations, a conversation I'll never forget, I was sitting next to this young cat who came in hot and bothered. It was a step two meeting, which means we were talking about our higher power. And the guy said, 
listen, I hear all you guys talking about how God got you through the hard times. I know God, like, did these things for you. But I'm telling you right now, I still slow my car down when I drive past a liquor store. I still want to go back to the bottle. The addiction has not been alleviated. The hardship has not been erased. The problems that I faced prior to coming to recovery, they still are present in my recovery. And so you all can talk about God. But I'm going to sit this one out. And there's this old timer there across the table from him. And he goes, he breaks every rule of crosstalk. But he goes, that I get why you are saying what you are saying right now because I used to say the same thing that you're saying right now. But if I could, can I just tell you that one of the things that changed for me was Christmas. Christmas was the first time in my life inside of a recovery community when I learned that God's name was not the auditor in heaven not disconnected deity throwing commands at us from afar. But God's name was Emmanuel. God's name is not the one who will fix us. God's name is the one who is with us. In the trying, in the trials, in the addiction, in the alleviation, in the recovery, in the relapse. God is with you. God is with you. Darkness is with you too. But God is here. Pray with me. Christ, Lord. Jesus, when I think about the end of your days, when you had to pick up the cross that you did not want to touch, I think about how you must have thought about Joseph. The one who also walked the path that he didn't want to walk. The one who also picked up that burden that he didn't want to bear. But God, fidelity to your kingdom, it often comes at the cost of our own convenience. And though it is dark outside, Lord, let Christmas not be reserved for December 25th alone. Let the light of Christmas seep into our everyday reality. We can cling to that hope. It's hard, but we don't go at it alone. In Christ's name we all pray. Amen. You know, the idea that our stories are stories that are beautiful and hard and everything in between, but that our stories are part of a bigger story. And you're right, we don't always know. And sometimes it really hurts. And sometimes it's hard. And sometimes it's lovely and joyous. But Emmanuel, God with us, you know what, that is enough. Because that's what we have. That's the promise God makes I will be with you always. And we'll hang on tight to that as we move through this broken and messy life together. And when we come together, one of the things that we do each and every week is that we practice communion together. We take the bread, we dip it into the cup, and we're reminded of just that, that although we might not know everything, we can know that God is with us. So we invite you to come forward during the music. There'll be two people standing here and you can take the bread and dip it into the cup. You'll hear the words, the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. Um, with that, the night before Jesus died, he was in a room with his friends with his disciples and he took bread and he said 
this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, remember me. And he took the cup. And after pouring wine into the cup, he said, this is my blood shed for you. The new covenant. When you drink from this cup, remember me. So when we take the bread and we dip it into the cup, we do remember that God is with us. Now together, if you could stand, we'll pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
I'm up here for the insurance. I'm here to teach you how to light our candles. If you haven't been with us before, we close our Christmas Eve service every year with a candlelight singing of Silent Night. You show candle. Now is the time. It's my kids. Pay attention. This is how we light a candle. Got the flame, holds it straight up and down. The person who doesn't have the flame comes in perpendicular so that nobody gets burned by any hot wax and we don't drip any on the floor, okay? We all got Please, will you join me? We're gonna circle around the room, so go ahead. We're gonna span the entire room together. singing Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Tonight, keep your candles lit for just a moment longer. One quick announcement is that we have no worship tomorrow. But what I want to say is, we walk into Christmas tomorrow morning. We walk out of this room tonight. Is this? Look around the room, folks. You don't need me to tell you that the heaviness will be there. You don't need me to tell you that the obstacles are still in place. You don't need me to tell you that the burdens that you bore when you walked into this room will be yours to bear when you walk out. But you don't go at it alone. What you have in front of you right now are little lights of community, body of Christ. If that language in the Gospels has any value or substance in our lives today, it looks like this. I will light my candle for you. You will light your candle for me. We're in this thing together. We hold the heavy together because we are trying to do what Christ did and what Christ does. Christ the Emmanuel, the God who is with us. You are loved. We love you. We'll see you next week. Go in peace, friends. Merry Christmas.